So we're in this series of messages called All in the Family. And it's been suggested that every one of us has a role, has a responsibility in the multi-generational rollout of the faith. And we began a couple of weeks ago with Moses speaking to the whole nation, to the congregation, to each individual family. And he said to them, listen, here's some mission critical stuff so that there can be this multi-generational transfer of the faith. And so today we're going to get somewhat specific and we're going to talk about that time uh, before children are teenagers and I've entitled it Scrape Knees and Butterfly Kisses. And so this is all about the early years. And of course we said last week and we say again today that, that the parent or parents have the primary responsibility in the raising of children. And yet, having said that, we all have a role. Grandparents have a role. Aunts and uncles have a role. Uh, Adults that are connected to the family have a role. The church has a role in saying, we're going to come alongside and we're going to help and we're going to be a model because we know that as we make decisions, as we act in life, that children are watching us and, are in, and following us and learning from us. We all have a role. Now, as parents, uh, we love them and we want to do our best in raising them. So you might be reading books, you might be watching TV programs, listening to podcasts, searching things on the internet, talking with other parents. And I think pretty quickly, if you're taking that kind of stuff in, you can almost feel buried or overwhelmed because very quickly you accumulate a list of like a hundred things you need to do to be an effective parent. What I want to do this morning is just concentrate on a couple of things. Because I believe when you get those couple of things right, the other nuances of parenting children start to fall into place quite naturally. And of course, the best source for those things is Scripture. And so what does Scripture have to say about those things? Those things that we need to get right to help launch those children well. If you have your Bible or your device, I'm going to invite you to open it to the book of Ephesians, uh, the church at Ephesus. Paul is writing to them. And in Ephesians chapter 6, he writes some well-known verses, verses 1 to 4. And we're going to discover the first three verses are written to children. We're not going to focus so much on them today. And then the fourth verse in particular written to parents. So Paul says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So as I mentioned, the first three verses are to children. And it says, little ones, obey your father and your mother in the Lord and honor them. And if you do that, it's going to go well with you and you'll live a long life. And then it shifts to 
parents, and it says, and specifically addressed dads in verse 4, but I think it's really being written to both parents. But you have to understand this fourth verse is kind of a wild statement written by Paul, because it's set in the first century of the Roman world. And in the Roman world at that time, there was high divorce rates, there was lots of extramarital affairs, there was shattered families, uh, which sounds sadly like some of the things we see in our culture. But beyond that, Rome at that time had a law called the Patria Postestis, which literally means the father's power. And so in the Roman world, the father had absolute power over every member of the family. He could sell them as slaves. He could, in a sense, take the law into his own hands with them. And so Paul in verse 4 is going very countercultural, which is so often the case in Scripture. And so what he's saying is, listen, even though it's technically legal for you to do these kinds of things to your children, Don't do it. It's not the way of Christ. Don't do the things that this culture encourages you to do, things that are inappropriate. Don't exasperate your children, which means to poke at them. It means to to irritate them, to drive them to the place of being inappropriately angry. And whatever you do, don't leave this child to develop on his or her own. We said last week, instead, we should deeply appreciate, in particular last week we emphasize this, appreciate the blessing of children. They're a great blessing, but they're also a significant responsibility. And as a parent or the parents, but also all those other people, all those other adults that play a role, you are key in their life and in their development. And verse 3 is really saying, listen, there's going to be chaos in their life. It will not go well with them or with you if you don't, as a parent, create an atmosphere of love and discipline, an atmosphere of love and healthy boundaries that are enforced in their life. So what are some of the things that would fall under this idea of the training and the instruction of the Lord as we see it in verse 4? Because I'm going to suggest, as I already did, that if we get those things right, those couple of things I'm going to mention right, you're going to see the other 90 plus things everyone else is talking about start to fall into place in due time if you get the first couple right. And so the first one is... Love them. Love them. It sounds so simple, but we don't always walk down that path. The scriptures are literally chock full of instructions about loving others, about, which is including our kids. It says in 1 John chapter 3, for example, this is the message you heard from the beginning. In other words, all the way through, this is what you heard. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Then it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He's the example for us, the one we should emulate. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Dear children, let us love with, not love rather, with words or the tongue, but with actions and in truth. 
So in other words, with integrity, we really do this stuff. We don't just talk about it as a pleasant idea. Eleanor Gluck from the University of, uh, of Harvard, the Harvard University, um, did some studies to develop a list of factors in juvenile delinquency. And the results of her studies was, in order to best prevent juvenile delinquency, that one of the really top drawer key factors is that children need to see demonstrated actively in front of them love between mom and dad, and then love demonstrated to them personally. And it's kind of natural when children are first born to provide that, when they're newborn, when they're helpless, when they're totally dependent, when you touch that child, when you speak with that child, when you pray for them and and have soothing sounds in their life, because you want that child to be rooted in love and grounded in love. But as they start to get older, I think sometimes we're thinking, I know all that stuff is true, but I'm not so good at conveying it. I've kind of lost my way on some of these things. And so let's talk about some practical suggestions to love them. First of all, quite simply, say it. And it sounds so simple, but we don't always do it. Say it. Stop them very deliberately. Maybe sit them down, look them in the eye, and say to them, I love you, Aaron. I love you, Sean. I love you, Sharon, or Betty, or John, or whatever their name is. Say it again and again. Because really, those are three of the most powerful words, aren't they? I love you. And they're so simple, but we don't always do it. And it makes such a huge difference in their lives. And I know... I know that some of you grew up in a home where you didn't hear that or you rarely heard that. And it may well have been a fine home. It may well have been a home where you sort of intrinsically knew they did love you, but you just never heard it. Never heard it hardly at all. Speaking with this uh, guy who's about 35 years old, sort of a fun-loving man. But one day, he was just strangely quiet, really quiet. And so questions were asked and kind of probed a little bit. So what's going on? And, and he said, well, on Friday, my father told me for the first time in my life that I can remember that he loved me. And the response was, well, so glad that you heard that You know, so glad you heard that. But then the 35-year-old responded like this, well, I guess that's okay. But it just hit me at that moment, and I realized it at that moment that I'd spent all my life trying to figure out why he'd never said it to me. Was it me all those years? Was I unlovable? Was it him? So first, verse 4 says, listen, if you want to raise someone up in the training and instruction of the Lord, you need to love them. 
And that means saying it to them, even if that's outside your comfort zone, because that's something they really need to hear, sincerely hear. You might want to write it to them. Some kids love to hear it said to them, but they also like to, to be able to read it. And I, I think about when my own children were small, uh, my daughter and my son, they do this for Debbie and I once in a while. Once in a while, we'd go into our bedroom and on our pillows in our bedroom, we would find little notes. Or I would go into my office and sometimes I would find a little post-it note, yellow post-it note with words like this, Hi, Dad. I love you from Sean or, or from Aaron. And that kind of warms a parent's heart, doesn't it? And I have a strong suspicion that it warms a child's heart as well. Not only to hear it, but to be able to read it once in a while. Then there's appropriate touch. Appropriate touch expresses love. In Genesis chapter 27, it says, Isaac said to his son, come here, my son, and kiss me. You know, greet me with a kiss. And as you go through scripture, kissing and hugging and laying on of hands is often associated in scripture with imparting a blessing. You lay on hands to impart a blessing. And Jesus does this in Mark chapter 10. Let me read it to you. Um, in chapter 10, beginning in verse 13, it says, People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And Jesus took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and he blessed them. Jesus used appropriate touch, and he linked it with the blessing of children. This woman, whose husband was in the process of leaving her, uh, was talking to her pastor about this and she was very distraught and she said if only I was seven years old again instead of the age I am now I would know exactly what to do and the pastor said to her let's just imagine you were seven years old again what would you do and she said I would immediately go and I would crawl up on the lap of my mom or on my dad, and I would just let them hold me for a while. You see, when things went bad for her, she knew where to go. Because a loving touch, an appropriate loving touch, is a powerful thing. A fourth way is just kind deeds. And it, it says this in Luke chapter 11, you can read about this, that a good father, a loving father, likes to give good gifts to their children. See, when we actually love our kids, and not just talk about it, but actually do it, this then opens the door. It provides, I would call them strategic opportunities, where you can then say, and by the way, kids, did you know that God has an even bigger heart of love for you 
than mom and dad do? Oh, we love you so much, but God has an even bigger heart of love for you than mom and dad do. Can you imagine that? You say to your kid. Because God's love, the Bible says, is perfect and constant. The Bible says he doesn't have to go to sleep at night. The Bible says he's not busy doing something else. He's focused on you. He's there for you all the time, and he loves you. And this is one of the more important gifts you can give your child beyond the establishment of your own love for them. The gift of the knowledge of the love of God. So you love them. But the second big, big idea of filling out verse 4 is limits. Establishing limits, drawing boundaries, and administering loving discipline. And you discipline them because you do love them. It says in Proverbs chapter 22, A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but discipline will drive it away. And then in the next chapter, in chapter 23, it says, don't fail to correct your child, discipline them, and thus save their soul from death. You know, we talked about this last week, that the Bible says that kids are just this incredible blessing. They're wonderful to have. But because children are part of the human race, they're born with original sin, And eventually that begins to manifest itself in their life. It begins to come out in their life. And so as parents, even though you might give them really massive doses of love, that's not enough. They also need to hear clearly defined boundaries and courageously enforced limits. And it takes courage to do that. And many people find it difficult to discipline their children appropriately. Children need to be coached. They need to be trained to remove or move out the unruliness out of their hearts. This is what Proverbs is saying. So what kind of discipline is appropriate? When is a discipline appropriate and for what? What are some of the basics of discipline? Well, first of all, of course, you spell out expectations and rules and boundaries before enforcing them. In other words, children shouldn't be disciplined for breaking a rule they don't understand or didn't even know was on the books. And sometimes we as adults get angry and we take it out on our kids when they didn't even understand that what they had done was wrong or they didn't even know that was something that's inappropriate. Secondly, we don't discipline children for childish mistakes or forgetfulness because kids spill milk. It happens sometimes accidentally. And I've told you this story, some of you at least, many years ago, but let me tell you again. Years ago, um, my extended family was gathered for Christmas dinner in Regina. And the whole clan was there, and I don't remember how many. There was 20, maybe 25 of us, and we had like three tables cobbled together, and we were anxiously awaiting having the turkey dinner together. My grandparents were there, some of my cousins, all that. We were all together. 
And my dad, I remember, he's off to the left. I was sitting at the end of the table, and he's coming from the kitchen, and he's carrying the turkey on a platter. And somebody left something on the floor, and he stumbled over it, and the turkey flew off of the tray, and it bounced on the floor and skidded across the floor. Absolute silence in the room. Everybody saw it happen, but absolute silence. And people just got up and they started cleaning it up and making other arrangements. And after a few moments of silence, my grandma said, imagine what would have happened if one of the kids had fumbled the turkey. And every one of us just roared laughing. It was a powerful point she was making, a a lot of wisdom in her. Kids spill milk and other things sometimes. It happens and it's accidental. Now, if a kid is being deliberately negligent or doing it on purpose or trying to be defiant, that's a different story. But milk gets spilled sometimes. Discipline is generally reserved for defiance or rebellion. Thirdly, we we never discipline out of anger. If the adrenaline is pumping as an adult, and that's driving what we're doing, it might be time for us to take our own time out, for us to take our own step back. It says in the book of James in chapter 1, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger, which is different than God's kind of righteous anger he talks about. For man's anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. He's really saying, James is saying, listen, take a step back. Let your blood pressure kind of return to normal before you address the issue. Fourthly, discipline often varies with every child. Discipline often needs to vary with every child. It always needs to be fair. It needs to do our best to be fair and just as we discipline. But we want to consider each individual child because some children, and we all know this, some children, when they've done something wrong, all they need is a disapproving look regarding what they've done. And they realize and they shrink back right away and they are truly sorry for what they've done wrong and they're not going to do it again. And all they really needed was just a look from mom and dad saying, you know that's wrong, don't do it. Other children absolutely need a verbal reprimand in order to hear what they've done is wrong, to have it explained to them perhaps, and they will stop and they are sorry. They're truly sorry for what they've done. Other children need a timeout. Other children need 30 minutes in the room to collect themselves and and deal with what they've done wrong. Some children need restrictions of privileges that really matter to them. Some children need a hand on their backside. Now notice I didn't say an abusive beating, but measured physical discipline. Proverbs talks about that. My sister-in-law and She'd probably chuckle if she heard me tell this story, if she watches this later. Uh, my sister-in-law, my, my wife's sister, uh, when she was growing up, 
My sister-in-law had a, I'll call it an expressive personality. And she wasn't rebellious, never has been, but like a lot of children, sometimes she just did things. While my in-laws tried a variety of things to address that in her life, um, they sent her to her room. That didn't work. The behavior continued. They uh, made her have a timeout. That didn't work. They spanked her. They, that didn't work. They tried everything they could think of to curb this behavior. Didn't work. But then they watched her for a while, and they knew that she loved to read. And they knew that she was a bit of an introvert. So actually, sending to her to her room when she'd done something wrong wasn't a punishment for her at all. It was something she loved. She'd go to her room, and she'd read her books. She loved to read. So they tried something new. Next time she did something wrong that she knew she wasn't supposed to do, they said, you can't go to your room. You come out of your room, and you can't read for the next hour. And instead, you're going to sit here around the table, and you're going to visit with all of the family for the next hour. Problem solved. Every child is a little bit different. And when we discipline, it needs to be fair. It needs to be just. But bear in mind that every child is a little different. Lastly, of course, we always follow discipline up with affection and affirmation. So am I the big expert in this stuff? Absolutely not. There's been many times in my life that I've blown it. There's been times when I've overreacted. There's been times when I underreacted. There's been times when I've treated them both the same when they're, they're, they're clearly different individuals and different responses was really called for and I didn't do it. But here's the thing. If you mess it up as a parent once in a while, like I have been, like I've done, this is a golden opportunity to humble yourself, to say, you know what? I was wrong. To own my stuff, to apologize, to try and make it right with your child. And this is an incredibly important lesson that you get to teach Junior at that moment appropriate love and limits. Absolutely necessary to launch your young child well. And when we get those couple of things right, many of the other things tend to follow along. Scrape knees and butterfly kisses. It's such a great time in a child's life. Next week, teenagers. Whoa. I think I just felt a shiver down my spine. Let's sing together.